Hello, dreamers. If you're watching this on YouTube, click the subscribe button in the bottom right of this video. Go to Live in the Dream 506 on Instagram and Facebook and give us a like and a follow. And thanks for your support. Keep listening and uh, keep dreaming. Today's episode was actually recorded before everything got cancelled, so hopefully the Cavendish Festival talk doesn't bum everyone out. But hopefully it all holds true for 2021 and we can all get, get, back, at, uh, get back together. So my guest today, his new EP, Wreck, is out now with the hit single No Truck Song, which can be heard towards the end of this episode. And he's since released a new single called See You Soon, which is a sentiment we can all appreciate at this time. So we'll listen to that at the end of the episode as well. And it's very suiting. So it was a pleasure chatting with him on the show and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Here he is, I'll let him introduce himself. Hey everybody, I'm Tim Hicks, and I'm living the dream. Um, which was always the goal like that's always that's all that was always the goal was to try and do something bigger than what we were doing you know we're always reaching even now we're reaching um but uh you know so so you know but it what must have been strange for the guys that were booking me for all those years like all of a sudden i i'm doing all this new music and they it's not familiar and it's weird because it's the pub and you know but it was it worked out great because like i said we had you know i was standing there there was no security in those days like the audience is an arm's length away from you and kids they would say to me while i was tuning between songs like hey man we came here to hear to hear you play your stuff why are you playing other people's music and they didn't understand you know but there again you have the same crowd that's like well yeah that's tim and the guys they're here every week and yeah they play mr jones in the second set like it was it was a bit it was a bit strange but you know i wouldn't have uh, changed it for the world really i'm glad that it all happened the way it did yeah for sure what was the name of the bar? Oh, <laughs> you want to name names? Everyone <laughs> knows. It was Grace O'Malley's uh, King and John. Oh, cool. Yeah, and they're they're great people. They uh they they really are. What uh what was one of your favorite covers to play back in the day? Oh, honestly, anything that was new for us. So uh whatever we added, and that still holds true. Like even to this day, like when we if you ask the guys what's your favorite song to play, they'll say whatever we learned most recently, because you know, you played the other ones for for years right. and years and years. So yeah. it was always kind of whatever was fresh, you know, that I always like doing see, this is the thing, like the kind of music I like is not necessarily the kind of music that you want to play in a cover band. So, you know, we would do the odd tune, like for instance, like you know, covering a blue rodeo song at a, at a busy dance bar, uh, you know, I would do it in the first set just because that's usually when people are listening or still finishing their dinner. They're just kind of getting their night started. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I love that kind of mid-tempo country rock stuff that doesn't necessarily go over well, you know, in the entertainment district on a Friday night at 1230. <laughs> so right. it's, uh, you got to kind of, that's where, you know, you, you just, you got to know where you are and know your audience and, and you're there to do a job, which is bring, bring the party, you know? 
Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned Mr. Jones. So like, has it always been mostly country music or was there any, like you said, don't stop believing too, I think. Oh yeah, I did. I did everything. And because you have to remember country was exploding just as my career was starting to take off. And so there was no country bar downtown Toronto. And I remember because, you know, near the, just before I signed my record deal, we could do a full night of rock, a full night of country music or a full night of Irish music. And really, that was just designed because we were working musicians. We were we were just looking for the next gig to you know we wanted to keep it you know to keep dates on the calendar. So you know it was kind of anything. But what was interesting was throughout my life, every time I would write a song and play it, because typically that would happen on acoustic guitar, people would say to me, "Wow, it's a really great country song." And I didn't really understand what they meant because I, you know, I grew up in Niagara Falls. I, I don't wear a cowboy hat. I don't, uh, I didn't grow up on a farm. Um, and so I, I, it was almost a bit puzzling to me until I started to hear artists like Eric Church, Jason Aldean, Zach mm. Brown. And all of a sudden it was clear to me what I should be doing. I had more in common with Keith Urban than I did with Dallas Green. You know, right. even though I played acoustic guitar and played in downtown Toronto. And I'll never forget the first night we decided, like, there was a turning point, probably around 2010, um, somewhere in there, where we just decided, we're just going to do country. And the first time we did that in downtown Toronto, a girl came to the front of the stage and she had her nose all wrinkled up. And she was like, is all you're going to play is country? And I, was, <laughs> and I just said, yep. And then by three times later, we would throw a rock cover in because somebody would say, hey, play cheap tricks. So we'd, you know, we'd bust out a cheap trick song and then someone, then someone would come to the stage and go play more country. So it was, it was kind of a strange time in the sense that the genre really was exploding in Canada and it was becoming more acceptable to play in, in, in urban areas, you know, that we were playing. And we always got away with it in Brantford, Ontario, or in, you know, in, in places like Acton, I could play in Acton and play Keith Urban covers all night or play, you know, play Brad Paisley and, and people, or Johnny Cash, even like classic stuff. And, and I always got away with that on my acoustic gigs, but it was difficult to get away with in downtown Toronto until that period of time when it just seemed to just explode out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I've also noticed like just from seeing some country music concerts live, a lot of the covers are rock songs. Rock covers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, that, that's the thing, man. It's like, especially classic rock. Yeah. Uh, to me, classic rock has way more in common with modern country than than it does with new rock, even. You know what I mean? Like new rock right. has become so heavy, and I'm not. That's not disparaging. You know, it is what it is, and these genres are ever changing. But to me, it's like, you know, what I love about what I love about bands like the band, for instance, is the country tendencies. And I and I truly believe that bands like Leonard Skinner and and the band and the Allman Brothers and Blue Rodeo, even. Um, they they would find a home on country radio if they were to be, come out today, you know, versus rock radio. I just think, you know, the genre has changed. And I think people are looking for that. They're looking for songs and singers and and instrumentation that's a little bit more organic. You know, not everybody. It's not for everybody. But there seems to be a movement towards that, you know? Yeah, definitely, like, started as kind of folk country. And then yeah. the genres kind of split to, like, pop country and rock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I still get a lot of people because you know what I do is very rock um, in in terms of like the country community. Um, I don't think there's anybody on the scene that's doing as much rock stuff as we are. <laughs> you know, you know, 
maybe to my detriment, I don't know, but I can't not be who I am. And I listened to a lot of that stuff when I was growing up. Like I listened to as much Led Zeppelin. In fact, I probably listened to more Led Zeppelin than I did Waylon Jennings. I like both of them, uh, but it does, it does come out. Like you can't help, but um, you know, kind of write from where you come from, which is to me, like I was heavily rooted in classic country, classic rock. That's what it always was. It was John Prine, uh, but it was all in my house too. Like my parents loved groups like Simon and Garfunkel. So, you know, that's where I sort of learned to sing harmony and all that stuff. And you, you use all that and it comes out the way that it comes out and you really can't help that. Yeah, for sure. When was the first time you played a live concert? Oh my God. Uh, I had my first band when I was seven. <laughs> so, and that, that was like, that, that had everything to do with where I took music lessons. So, um, I took, uh, like a lot of kids, took music lessons uh, at a place called the Ontario Conservatory of Music. Not the Royal Conservatory, but the Ontario Conservatory. And they had this program, which was really great, um, where they put kids around the same skill level, around the same age bracket, in little groups together. So you'd have like, you know, you'd have your half hour lesson on Saturday morning, but on Wednesday night at seven, you'd have an, an, an hour long band practice. And I just, I loved it. Like all of a sudden music became a team sport. Um, and it was much different, much, I, I describe it as like much the same as if you're, you know, if you're by yourself in your driveway shooting at your hockey net, um, that's one thing, but it's way more fun when you get three guys together or three friends together and have a little scrimmage. Right. And sure. it was the same with music for me. Like my parents, you know, if they were on the line here, they would say, we never had to tell them to practice. Like I, I, I loved it. It was in me for whatever reason. Uh, but when the band thing happened, it was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And the power of, you know, five people playing the same chord or the same in the same groove is like was really shocking to me. And I've been in a band ever since. And I've been in probably 100 bands at this point. I just I love it. It's um, for me, it's like it's, it's sort of attached to, to, to my I sort of identify as like a working musician. And I love the band culture. Um, and uh, oftentimes it's, it's my peer group and my friend group as well. You know what I mean? It's like having your own little gang. Yeah, for sure. What what kind of music were you playing at seven? Like, what kind of music mm. was your band playing? We were playing uh, Beatles songs. We nice. were playing um, a- anything that was simple, like Brian Adams songs, or like uh, that was at the time when Guns N' Roses was big, and they they had that Bob Dylan cover of Knocking on Heaven's Door. So, like, that would mm-hmm. be an example of a song that we would do, or like Sweet Child of Mine, or um, trying to think of some other stuff that we played. Yeah, you know, it was it really was dependent on on what the guitar players because I was a keyboard guy. I I was taking organ lessons, so I I didn't pick up guitar until later on. Uh, but it was mm. dependent on what the guitar players were learning. So if they were learning the opening riff to "Sweet Child of Mine," that's what we were playing in the band, you know. And it was uh, it, it was just kind of like whatever fit the skill level of everybody at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, does your kid play? Yeah, I've got two little ones, and uh, they both just started piano lessons in the last couple of months. Uh, but yeah, I mean they're they're eight and six, so they're they're a little young, um, but uh, they, you know they're around music all the time, and they're both they're both very musical in different ways too, which is interesting because, for instance, my daughter will sit at the piano and make up songs, where my son will open his piano book and just rip through what's on the page. So it's like they're both talented, but in, in very different ways, which is so indicative of the personalities, too, if you knew them. Right. Mm-hmm. So as a musician in mm-hmm. the industry, is that something 
that you would recommend or try to push them towards? No, no, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I've had this, <laughs> we've had this talk a long time. Yeah. And you know, and, and what's interesting is my parents might, I shouldn't say that they weren't supportive because they were very supportive, but especially my mother and her side of the family was very tentative when I showed up as a teenager and said, this is what I want to do. I want to be a professional musician. And you should have seen the tears. Like it was as if they had failed as, as parents, you know, like, (laughs) why would you want to do that to yourself? Like the suffering and, you know, because it really has nothing to do with your skill level or how good you are. It's really, you know, like, I don't know. There's just so much luck involved and so much disappointment. Um, But for whatever (laughs) reason, I was just, I was so driven to show everyone that I could do it and, and to show myself that I could do it, you know? So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I hope my kids are musical and I hope that they, they have music in their lives uh, for various reasons, but I hope that they don't, that they have other interests that take them into, into a career. (laughs) To stay out of the, yeah, stay out of the the machine. Well, listen, I mean, maybe they wind up in the business somewhere, but I mean, like I said, I mean, there's just so much, so much, uh, it's, the ride is like a roller coaster. It's peaks and valleys and the right. highs are high, high, high. And the lows are low, low, low. And what parent wants that for their kids? True. You, know? you, right. you want them to be happy all the time. So it's hard for me to look at my daughter, for instance, and go, yeah, I hope you become a singer. And you're like Taylor <laughs> Swift, you know, it's, it's just not in me. I, I hope that they do other things. Right. But yeah. still find joy in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, so you're playing Cavendish Beach Music Festival this summer in PEI. Yeah. You played before, is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played twice, I do believe. Nice. So how was your yeah. experience there in the past, and, like, what do we have in store for this year? Yeah, I, I love it. I love Cavendish. It's a beautiful area. It's uh, They've got a wonderful um, setup there, and I live for big crowds, like, especially the summertime outdoor festival thing to me is just, it's one of the greatest gigs you can do especially when there's a big catwalk to run down and right. um, it's, it, you know, I, I love to just get up there and rile everybody up as best I can get them singing, get them clapping, get them dancing, um, get them set up for whoever the headliner is. Cause of course at Cavendish, they always have American headliners. So, uh, which is also cool. It's cool for us too, because we get to watch, um, you know, some of the groups that, that we love, like for instance, uh, I'm going to get to see Miranda Lambert for the first time. I'm, I'm a huge fan of hers. I love her music and her songwriting. Um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing her show and, and seeing what I can steal from her show. <laughs> that's <laughs> nice. No, that's Staring true. There with a clipboard, like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, so we have a f- just a few fan questions, and then I can I can let you go. Um, yeah, sure. What is one of your favorite memories slash stories from the road? Oh my. Okay, here's a good one. Speaking of festivals, so typically how it goes is just before showtime, the band. Uh, we'll, we call the bands walking. So uh, the road manager comes to get the band, escorts them to the stage. Everybody puts on their in-ear monitor packs. And, uh, and I, I stay behind and just do a little bit more warming up and just kind of get focused on the show. And then they'll come get me and we'll walk separately. So I never look at the pack. It's just, you know, my pack is usually left um, there. I put it on and I went to the stage and it was a big gig. It was at Boots and Hearts in um, in Ontario. There's, you know, very much like Cavendish, like 30,000 people, you know, just a, it's a big gig. And uh, we had had some bad luck prior to with some technical stuff. We were determined to uh, rid ourselves of this curse. So as the band kicks in, 
I'm realizing that my mix in my in-ear monitors is not correct. And I, and I'm not panicking, but I'm yelling over to my tech like, Hey, you need to turn the bass way down. I got way too much bass and I'm trying to sing and perform and smile. And we're trying to have this conversation and get things fixed. And at the same time, I noticed my bass player is yelling to him. Hey, you got to turn the vocal way down, blah, 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 blah. So I wait for a moment in the song where, where I could take a breath and someone else is playing. And I turned around and said, Hey, have you got my pack on? And this is happening in front of 30,000 people. <laughs> and he looks down as he's playing it and he gives me the nod. Yes, I do. <laughs> like, okay. So I look over and I go, don't adjust anything. Hang on. And there, there's like, there's a moment in hell raising good time where we just hit a big goose egg on our instruments. And we have, we've got like four, four beats to rest. So we get as close as we can get. And we're looking at one another. I'm like, are you ready? He's like, I'm ready. So we hit the goose egg and then I'm like, here we go. And we, I took out <laughs> my pack as fast as I could and we swapped, put it in, clicked in my, my uh, earbuds again. All of a sudden my mix is great. I can see he's relieved because his mix is great. And we had a huge laugh like on the stage and afterwards, like, wow, if you're going to make a fool of yourselves, you may as well do it in front of 30,000 of your closest friends. Like that was a serious, uh, clench your cheeks together and go moment, like trying to swap out in ear monitor packs in between beats during the song while everyone was watching. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty funny. Was it seamless? It was seamless. Yeah. Nice. And, that, and that's the thing, you know, that's, and that comes from all those years of playing. Like, We've, we've dealt with so many issues on, on the stage during the show that it's like, hey, man, the show really does go on. Like, and you have to plow through no matter what is happening. And uh, the minute that, um, that you let something like that bother you, the show goes downhill. So, you know, we've been through so much together that really it was just it was more humorous than anything. They're like, of course, we have the wrong packs on. <laughs> Of course, we have to switch the mid-song. Like, what, what, what else can go wrong today? Was that that kind of thing? Right. Of course. Uh, Jordan Branscombe asks, "What did the town ever do to you?" Oh, <laughs> the reckless town. <laughs> yeah, I know. They told me I couldn't play my own songs. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, you know, reckless town. I mean, anything I do, you know, here comes the thunder, wreck this town, stomping ground. There's always an element of my tongue being firmly planted in my cheek. And I, I think that, you know, my fans for sure, they know that about me. They know that about my personality, um, which is why I'm excited about releasing a song like No Truck Song, because I always cut one or two of these kind of funny songs that, uh, you know, are a little bit like uh, there's a there's a, an artist named John Prine. He kind of writes songs like that where you get a little chuckle, like there's a punchline. Yep. And uh, I, I always put one or two of those on my record, but we've never released one as a single. So it's kind of exciting to put, you know, that foot forward and to shine a light on that, um, that part of my personality and that part of my songwriting. So, you know, no, no towns were actually harmed in the making of Wreck This Town. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I, I noticed you mentioned, uh, I think I read this, that you said you had a lot of laughs and a lot of fun writing No Truck song. Yeah. yeah. So, can you take us inside the writing room for that one? Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. So it's been, I've had a lot of luck over the last couple of records of getting songs cut that we wrote at night. I don't know why that is. I think maybe <laughs> we're just a little bit more relaxed and, you know, a couple of beers and just, you know, we, we tend to, I don't know, for me, I guess musicians are used to working at night when it's dark. So I, I seem to get the best um, results when, I, when we write at nighttime. So this was, this was written on what we call a wild card night. And what that means is we get the same cast of characters. 
um, some interchangeable people in there, but whoever we can get to come over uh, to Jeff Copeland's place. We have a couple of beers, we order some pizza, and we write with no agenda. So that means no one can say no. Um, and there isn't, we aren't target writing. Like we're not like, okay, uh, Tim Hicks needs a ballad at 75 beats per minute today, which is often how songs get written in Nashville. <laughs> so, um, so we just said, anything goes. And I said, you know, I'd really like to write a country song, like a real country song. And someone said, as long as we don't write about trucks, because we'll never get a truck song cut. So we're all wasting our time. And, uh, <laughs> then I was like, oh, challenge accepted. You know, and someone said, if ain't no truck song, you know, and, and the thing, it just fell out and we laughed so hard, especially lining up all the truck songs in the, in the bridge, you know, it'll yep. turn up that take a little ride, something about a truck, truck, yeah, mud. <laughs> like we were just like, how many can we get in, um, and, and, uh, in, in reference in this, in this ridiculous song, because of course they're never going to let us cut it. And sure enough, you know, the team was like, yeah, we love it. We think it's great. And it's going to be the first single. So you never know.
I really like the books behind the scenes because that like you you don't have context for songs like that. And it's like, okay. is he serious? Is, like, are you no. having fun? And you can't take it seriously. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Listen, ch- chances are uh, eight out of ten times I'm not taking myself too seriously, and and I think that that's you know I think that's kind of to some degree allowed me to develop my own thing and put me in my own lane. You know, because you know as I look around at my peers, there there aren't a lot of people. In fact, I don't I can't think of any that are sort of doing that. So. You know, when you find something that's uniquely yours, you want to hold on to it. And I, and I don't like I have a sense of humor and I'm a bit sarcastic in, in a real life. So, you know, of course, that's going to come out of my songwriting from, from time to time. Yeah, for sure. What's your favorite Tim Hicks song? Currently, my favorite is Ride or Die. And I'll yeah. tell you why, because it's 100 percent real. Um, I wrote it with my wife in mind. Um, every word of it's true. And I just, you know. I, I being the party country guy, I kind of like to do diff, different stuff from time to time. So it's exciting to find a ballad that I don't feel weird about singing. Cause you know, I'm, I'm married 10 years. I got two kids. So singing about like new love or lost love is kind of hard for me um, mm-hmm. because it's not true, you know? So when we stumbled upon that one, it, it was really exciting. Cause I was like, this is a song I wish I had written for my wife when we, when we got married. Interesting. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I really like this last question. Um, it was sent in anonymously, so I can't even give him credit. But uh, what do you want to be known for? Like, what do you want your legacy to be? I think that's a really great question. So I, I think what I want my legacy to be is just is that, you know, I, I, was, I was a real musician. Um, that I, I, I went out and did it. There was nothing manufactured about me. Um, and that I didn't take it too seriously. You know what I mean? That it was really just, it was always about fun. All those songs are really just about fun. And, and I think that that comes from playing in bars for years and yeah. years and years, like where it was our job every night to bring the party. And so I think that's why it works for me is because it comes from a, an honest, natural place, you know? And, and so if I, can, if I can be remembered as the guy that just brought a little bit of fun to the scene, then that would be fantastic. Yeah, just genuine. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm, I'm not, with <laughs> you can tell with a song like No Truck Song, I'm not trying to win Song of the Year. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> hey, you never know. It's just about, about getting, you know, getting a chuckle. Uh, and every now and again, we get, a, we get a banger in that does well for us, like, uh, like What a Song Should Do. That was more of a serious song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, most of the time, it's really, I, I got a crooked smile on my face while I'm singing it, you know? Right. Well, I hope No Truck Song does win song of the year because that'd be yeah. hilarious <laughs> wouldn't that be hilarious yeah. <laughs> um now one last thing my girlfriend veronica is also a fan of yours and she wanted me to say hi a nice hi veronica <laughs> awesome um all right so your new ep wreck out now anything else you want to say about it no just um you know we're we're going on a pretty extensive tour so if anybody out there wants to get tickets to come see the show it's going to be a lot of fun we're playing is we're playing longer than we've ever played. Uh, we're going to, which means we can play more songs than we've ever played. And uh, we've got a few tricks up our sleeves that, uh, that uh, we haven't done to this date. So I'm, I'm really excited to get back out on the road. It's really, it's, it's kind of our natural habitat really, you know, being on stage with the guys. Yeah. The tour starts March 6th in Germany with yep. a few, few Europe dates, Australia, and then coming back to North America. 
Yeah, man. Yep. Coming back. We're going to do some uh, extensive tour of Canada and down into the States for a few, uh, few dates. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And you said you got some tricks up your sleeve. And then after Cavendish, when you see Miranda Lambert, you're going to have even more tricks. I'm going to have more. Yeah. I'm going to be walking <laughs> with a clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, good luck on tour. And uh, thank you so much for doing this. No problem. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the time. I'm stuck.